0: Welcome to the Gregory House Podcast. This is Disciple Making as Mothers and Fathers by Father Christian
1: Ruck. Yeah, it's great to be with you all. So, um, yeah, as uh, Steve said, uh, uh, we um, planted uh, Church of the Cross in 2004, but uh, before that, I was a longtime um, member of Resurrection. And so, really, um, as I'm talking about you know, leading as mothers and fathers, spiritual parenting. I was very much spiritually parented um, in this church. Um, and uh, I didn't really have that wording for it. I think it's something I just experienced and then later put words to it. Um, but uh, resurrection had a huge impact on my life. I actually, uh, when I first started coming, I had not been in church for years. I um, was kind of freaked out. I um, uh, saw people raising hands. Um, uh, uh, um, People are really emotional. <laughs> I mean, so it was really quite an experience coming into Resurrection uh, for me. That was back when I was in West Chicago, um, in the in a high school um, there. So uh, a long time ago. Uh, but um, when Molly and I got married, we became. Uh, she joined um, Resurrection and became part of this church, and uh, and we do very much consider our church of the Cross a daughter church of Resurrection. So we talk about you not just as the cathedral, but as our mother church, and so. Um, and again, that's significant in numerous um, ways, and we've planted a few churches out of Church of the Cross, and we consider them grandchildren of um, resurrection. We really do. So, um, so we, we find the connection very strong, even though, again, we're um, you know, six hours, of, Molly always says seven, but I say six hours away, so it uh, depends who's driving. That's right, that's right. So as long as you don't stop, you can do it in six hours. So, And we would love to have a new view up. If you ever want to come up to Minneapolis, uh, we would um, very much welcome you. Okay, I need to find my notes here. Great. Um, yeah, so we want to talk about leading as mothers and fathers and thinking about spiritual parenting. And just to start, again, I just have to say... Um, uh, I have learned this from many people, but uh, one of the people I've learned it from the most is our bishop, uh, my brother Stuart. Um, And uh, again, I think I caught this in watching him as a leader and being under his leadership um, for a long time uh, before I started to put words to it. And quite honestly, um, I think he was probably using the language of spiritual parenting and it was something a little bit, I think in my own ministry, I resisted some and felt a little bit, even some unease about, of thinking myself, of myself as a spiritual father. Um, uh, in Minnesota, a lot of folks um, don't call priests fathers for various reasons, which I'm fine with. I'm fine with people calling me father. I'm fine with that not. Nah, but quite honestly, early on, I think I was kind of nice, like I'm kind of glad they're hesitant about the father language because I don't know if I'm ready to be called father uh, Christian. Um, uh, but uh, again, I feel like Stuart's been a key person as, as well as some other leaders in our diocese in helping me to embrace. Oh, this is actually a great title. You know, It's a great title for a priest, but it's a great title for a leader to be, um, consider themselves a spiritual mom or spiritual dad. And so, um, so that's something I've learned and something I've grown in. Um, and so I'm aware as I'm teaching of it, very much uh, I'm in debt. Uh, to others who have taught on it. And I'd really encourage you, um, Stuart gave a teaching two years ago um, that's on the podcast. I shared the link with Allison, so I think she may share it with everybody. But I would strongly encourage you to listen to um, that teaching that Stuart gave two years ago. Um, Again, there's going to be some overlap, but some things that are very different. Um, But it's just an incredible, uh, great um, teaching. And um, uh, again, I've stolen some from it, but uh, a lot of it, I would encourage you to listen to that um, if you have time over this week. So... Um, but as far as we'll follow along in this um, uh, outline here, uh, but just know, again, Gregory House up north is, very, is pretty small compared to this group, so it tends to be really interactive. And so I'm great, um, I'll have a few times where I'll actually ask you to respond, and we'll try to remember to Pass the microphone around wherever it is. Um, uh, so that there we go, thanks, so that um, we can record it for those that are, are listening, but I'd much rather have people just jump in and talk, even though this is a little bit of a bigger group. And Molly may jump in at some points because we often do teachings together, so, um, so don't be upset if you see her stand up and come over. Maybe that'll make you nervous, but don't, don't be nervous. So, and then if she interrupts me, then when she gives a talk, I can interrupt her. So uh, that's what we hope for. So. Um, so why um, leave through the lens of parenting? Uh, why uh, would we consider sort of leadership and, and growing disciples um, doing that as spiritual moms and dads? And the first place to begin, of course, is, is it biblical? Um, do we see this model in the scriptures? And we can first say that what we see in the scriptures clearly is parenting is hugely important. Right? I mean, family is so important. I don't think we can start to grasp or get our minds around just how important family is, how important parenting is um, in the scriptures. I mean, you just think about, you know, that, you know, Paul can say in Adam, we all sinned, and we hear that, and we think, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would what Adam did have anything to do with me, right? Which just kind of shows that our mentality is probably in many ways different from the mentality of the Um, the scriptures where you know we were in Adam I mean that our parenting is so important that we were sort of carried by our parents Um, or if you remember in um, Hebrews 7 sort of this strange moment there's a lot of strange moments in the book of Hebrews where um, the author of Hebrews talks about Levi being like present in Abraham so that when Abraham um, uh, gave a tithe to Melchizedek it was like Levi was giving a tithe to Melchizedek. And so he does that to talk about the priesthood and and tithing. But again, the mentality is, you're sort of present in your ancestors. Like they carried you, you were with them. And so that family connection is so um, strong and then, of course, then, right, when we read the Ten Commandments, one of them would be honor your father and mother. Like, if we're, you know, reading the scriptures rightly, that shouldn't surprise us because family, again, is such a big deal. And family bonds are so strong and such an important part of, um, you know, who we are and our identity. And I think when we get our mind then around how big of a deal family is and how big of a deal parents are, Then we come to that moment in the Gospels, if you remember where um, Mary and Jesus' brothers um, are looking for Jesus, remember? And someone comes and says, Jesus, your mom and your brothers are looking for you. And he says, who are my mother and my brothers? Or whoever does the will of God, they're my mother and brothers. And I mean, you got to think when he said that, it must have just been scandalous, right? Like, what? I mean, how can you say that, right? I mean, the bond among a family is so important. And Jesus, I don't believe, was denying that family bond and the strength of it. But he's saying, actually, right, the bond that we have in him in obedience to the Lord as disciples is as strong is stronger. Um, It is a family bond, uh, we could say, right? I mean, that we truly are um, family. Um, And, obviously, this is something that uh, the church embraced, right? We are the family of God, right? The early church, one of the um, criticisms against them was that they practiced incest. I mean, that's how much they used family language that outsiders were looking at them like, they call each other brothers and sisters, but some of them are married to one another. And um, so, you know, clearly they fully embraced um, that family identity and the importance of it. So. So in the biblical model, again, we see um, family being hugely important, and then the family of God, um, the bond that we have in Christ uh, being a family bond. Um, So a very important bond, and we need one another um, as family members. Um, And then also we see just the importance of reproduction, right? Not just be fruitful, multiply, have children, which obviously is very important, and we see that, but the importance of the family in being a place of reproducing faith, of reproducing mission, reproducing values. Um, so that is so strong. So actually, I'm gonna ask someone uh, to read some scripture. We'll do a few points. Um, a familiar passage, but a great one to read is we're thinking about family and reproduction. Can someone read from Deuteronomy? Someone have a Bible? You guys all have Bibles, right? Because they're there and your, your church has Bibles. Um, uh, <laughs> so we don't have them at Church of the Cross. We don't need those Bibles. Um, uh, so if someone read, let's read Deuteronomy 6, four through nine, and then 20 through 25. Someone got that? Great, do we need to get a mic on? All right. All right, thanks. Four through nine. Yes, uh, Deuteronomy 6, four through yeah. nine, and then skip to 20 through 25.
2: Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. and the lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the lord our god for our good always that he might preserve us alive as we are this day and it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before the lord our god as he has commanded us great thanks
1: yeah so you hear in that um uh i i mean a teaching and passing on that's not just you know have times of teaching with your children which of course that's really important but wherever you're going when you're walking wherever you are that you're constantly teaching them passing on again reproducing um, what you've learned uh, among your children and so that uh, a value uh, for um, family again um, applies to to the church family um, and let me read um, a passage that actually i'll refer to a couple different times uh, from the beginning of second um, timothy that captures so much of this. Again, the importance of family, physical family and, and um, spiritual family both. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, and love and self-control. Again, verse five says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. I mean, that just captures, right, Paul saying, look, I know your grandmother had faith, I know your mother has faith, and I, I'm sure that it's, it's, it's made its way down to you. I'm sure that you've inherited that, because I know that's the way it works, right? Parents pass on their faith, and I know that part of your strength and faith is because of your um, mother and grandmother. But of course, Paul then also refers to Timothy as his beloved child, right? And so he's both able to celebrate what you inherited in your family of origin, but also you're my child, um, and you just hear the, the love um, and just affection uh, that Paul had uh, for Timothy um, in that. And so there's the um, biblical model, we see the importance of reproduction, um, and we also see um, the uh, um, expectation of imitation, right? The importance of imitation. Um, and we see that uh, throughout the scriptures, especially in Paul, right? The, and he emphasizes that. And again, I think sometimes people really struggle with that. I often hear people saying, Man, I don't know. Like, was that right when Paul said, Imitate me? Like, is he, you know, expecting too much of himself? Is that egotistical? But of course, he says, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Uh, but he uses that language a lot um, of imitation. Um, and it's not just Paul. Um, again, uh, in the book of Hebrews, there's actually a couple places that we can kind of miss that, that shine out um, just the assumption that imitation is happening and how important um, imitation is. So actually, a couple verses from Hebrews. Someone else want to read? Got a Bible ready? Anyway. Oh, great. I'll give you the assignment. Maybe you're waiting before I give you the assignment. Um, Hebrews 6:12 and then 13:7. So two different verses. Great, you got it?
3: 612.
1: Hebrews 612, and then jump to Hebrews 13, 7.
3: Hebrews 6, 12. So that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. 13, 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God consider the outcome of their way of life, and imitate
1: their faith. Awesome, great. You guys remember the movie Jaws? Has everyone seen the movie Jaws? Do you guys know? Huh? Huh? Yes? No? All right. Young people, have you seen Jaws? Do people still watch Jaws? Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, anyway, in the movie Jaws, you probably don't remember this because basically all you remember is the big shark attacking people. Okay, I'm sorry if it's a gross movie, but you know, it was like the first blockbuster. I mean, it was you know, Steven Spielberg's first uh, breakthrough uh, movie. Um, uh, but again, there's actually a moment, I rewatched it a couple years ago, where I you know, watched it with one of my kids for the first time. But in the midst of all the shark attacking people, there's this great moment in the movie where um, Roy Schneider, he's the sheriff, you know, who like is, thinks it's sharks and everyone's denying that there's a shark attack. And there's a moment he's totally stressed out, he's at the dinner table, it's after dinner, and he's sitting there at the dinner table um, doing this, and he looks up and his son is across the table, and his son's going like this. You know, and then Schneider kind of puts his hands down, his son puts his hands down, he kind of stretches his hands out, his son stretches his hands out. And again, this sweet little moment of a son imitating his father, right? And, you know, it's kind of a heartwarming moment before more people die um, from sharks. Um, and it's, uh, you have a nice, ah, this is nice. But, of course, it works, and we watch it, and we, you know, resonate with it, because that's what kids do, right? I mean, kids imitate their parents. They just do, and sometimes... It's delightful when your kids imitate you. Uh, for those of you that have kids, sometimes it's horrifying <laughs> when your kids imitate you and you see them <laughs> imitating you, you know, yelling in traffic at people or, you know, um, doing things that you wish they wouldn't imitate. But it's what happens. And so when we realize, like, oh, that's just what children does, and it shouldn't surprise us that we hear Paul saying or the book of Hebrews saying, right, imitate or you have imitated, like, of course you have. Like, that's just natural because that's what children do. They imitate um, their parents. And so when Paul is saying, you know, imitate me, he's not denying that we ultimately imitate Jesus, of course not, but he's saying this is how you grow in Christ. You need parents that you can imitate and you can look to. Um, the final thing that I think this is in the uh, um, outline there, but as we think about, again, why lead through the lens of parenting, it's, it, it's really important to consider the difference between a parent and a guide. Um, and that comes out um, in 1 uh, Corinthians. Let me um, let me read it. Again, you've probably um, uh, heard this uh, passage, um, uh, maybe from um, Stuart. He loves this uh, passage. Um, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 4 I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. So, for though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? So I come to you with a rod, or with love and a spirit of gentleness. Molly and I and our kids had an opportunity um, three years ago uh, now um, uh, on a sabbatical. I um, took a sabbatical and we were able to travel some, and we went to Kenya with our whole family, and we had two weeks in Kenya, and um, our um, driver during that time, we had one, Person drives us around the whole time. He's actually an archdeacon, which archdeacons are very important people. It's important to know about archdeacons, and he, um, uh, so a spiritual leader in the church, a church planter. So, yeah, I'm, I'm joking. I'm an archdeacon. I don't know. if Not many people know that. No one in my church knows it, but I want you guys to know it. Um, uh, but anyway, um, he was uh, this guy Joshua. Um, uh, uh, again, basically you know, gave up his ministry duties for two weeks to be our driver um, uh, during this time. And we really got to know him well. Um, Near the end of our two-week trip, um, uh, we had done a lot of things with different churches in in this area of Kenya that we were in, uh, but then we did some safari things. Um, And we'd go, um, one time we went to this island called Crescent Island, um, and we had a guide that we met there. And that guide spent a number of hours with us guiding around the island, telling us about um, different animals, and we did another safari the next day in a wilderness area and had another great guide who knew a lot about different animals and knew a lot about that area. And um, then our final day um, in Kenya, we were supposed to meet a guide actually at a, a like a, a wildlife park that's in Nairobi. It's actually in the middle of the city. Um, and uh, so we had hired this guide, uh, but then we were a few minutes late getting there, and so the guide found someone else who would pay than him more than what we were gonna pay him. Um, so when we showed up um, at the uh, safari, the guide was not there. <laughs> um, Joshua, again, our, our driver, our friend, um, uh, uh, called him, you know, and found out he had left, you know, because again, he found a better deal. So Joshua became our guide uh, for that day, um, and uh, he knew, right, that we had not seen lions yet, and that we really wanted to see lions. And so he became like obsessed with finding us lions uh, to see um, in the the game park. Um, And so any time a car would pass us, he'd wave them down and he'd stop. Um, We don't speak Swahili, but we'd hear him talking Swahili and over and over again we'd hear Simba, which is the word for lion, right? It's one of the Swahili words we knew. So we knew he was asking everyone he saw about lions. And after hours, Us even telling him, you know, Joshua, we're actually, we're good. You know, we've seen lions in this zoo. We don't need to see lions. He was like, no, I will find you a lion. And he did. He found us lions. uh, And uh, uh, he did it. And that kind of brought home for us the difference between a guide and a father. Um, Again, we had great guides. They knew a lot. They were wonderful. But Joshua was like a father to us. Um, And like a father, he was like, I am going to make sure you see lions. You are not going to leave Kenya until you've seen lions. Um, And actually, after that, it was beautiful. As He was, I think, bringing us to the airport. Um, uh, He took time, and he um, shared with us a strength he saw in each one of our four kids. Um, He said, after spending two weeks, I just want to bless each of your children. I want to acknowledge what I see in them. It was so powerful. Now, again, we loved our guides. I mean, they were great. Um, But it was so different from the relationship we had with Joshua. He was a, a father Um, to us, a a real spiritual father to us. And so as we think about the difference between a guide um, and fathers and mothers, a guide and parents, it's not to in any way um, underestimate, under-acknowledge the importance of guides. We need them, um, but we so badly need spiritual moms um, and dads. Um, And Molly and I actually find uh, with people coming into Anglicanism in particular or coming into, um, you know, the, the church, a sacramental worldview, um, a liturgical understanding. So often they've had lots of guides, um, and uh, they've read a lot, which is wonderful, you know. And so they'll come in kind of thinking, well, I get Anglicanism. I get kind of sacramental thinking. I get ministry and sort of a liturgical uh, movement and a more historical movement because I've read this person, this person, this person, this person. And we feel like, I mean, there are a way in which you can sort of be parented by a book and an author. Right I mean, we can feel that there's a certain level which you just can 't be parented by book, um, and I think sometimes they think oh well i 've got it all figured out. I know everything because i 've read all these wonderful guides, and so we have to say, well yeah, but you haven 't been parented in this tradition. you actually haven 't been parented in church planting or in 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 ministry, and yes, you 've had great guides, and that 's wonderful, but you need parenting um, and uh, and so um, to bring home um, that difference and so I want to think a little bit about that difference um, and want to actually give you guys a little time to reflect on um, a passage uh, from 1 uh, Thessalonians, uh, the, um, chapter 2. And so we'll take like, um, I don't know, like 10 minutes, uh, five, maybe 5 to 10 minutes uh, just to reflect on this passage, and I've got handouts. I think there are more here. Great. There, there, okay, great, so we'll pass these around. Um, So um, read through this passage again, I have it printed out so you can underline it, you can circle it, you can write notes, but specifically asking the question, how do I see the difference between a parent and a guide in this? What am I, I'm seeing, how do I see parenting at work? So, I think there's some up there if you wanna pass these around. OK, I'd love to hear um, maybe words or phrases or, again, just qualities you see here that jumped out. I don't know where the mic is, but if we can pass it around. Um, I'll, I'll pass it around. Who has the mic? Oh, great. Good. Yeah, anyone that's something that jumped out to you and as far as parenting goes? Oh, great. I was surprised by the overt
3: maternal imagery that Mm -hmm. is used, Um, like a nursing in verse seven, like a nursing mother taking care, and also in verse eight, uh, where it says we were ready to share with you, you know, from our own selves. Again, continuing that very maternal energy uh, imagery, and how uh, the the writer forgoes speaking in term appealing to his authority as an apostle, Mm -hmm. um, and instead appeals to this um to this uh to, to the affection to the gentleness with which he has mm. been he has ministered to these people. Yeah um I thought that was a uh, I- interesting Yeah.
1: Yeah absolutely good. What else? Uh... Hmm. Ah. Um
4: well, I noticed that he talks about um, laboring and toiling night and day, which <laughs> I just really related to. Um, but then I liked how I felt like, oh yeah, we have to work so hard. But then it went on to say, so that we're not a burden. And I think mm-hmm. a good parent does not put a burden on a child when they are young, mm-hmm. um, before they could, you know, handle
1: it. So right. yeah, good. Good. What else? It also
3: uses the language in verse 7 of that they were gentle among them. Mm -hmm. I thought that was also just a very
1: sweet, like just a parent with their baby, just gentle and kind. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Other thoughts? Yeah, and then obviously the
3: juxtaposition of the father image later, uh, father with his children, exhorted, encouraged, and charged, and then just that desire to see his spiritual children walk in a manner worthy of God. I think every parent
1: mm-hmm. wants their children to do well. That's mm-hmm. just their number one goal is to yeah. see them doing well and succeeding, and, and his desire that all of this is so that
3: you'd be mature and walk in a way that's worthy of God.
1: Mm-hmm. Good. Any other thoughts or things jumped out at you or even themes you see in here?
3: Perhaps it was already stated, but um, the language of affection, Mm -hmm. you know, not only gentle among you but affectionately desirous of you, verse 8, and then uh, later in the same verse, very dear to us. Mm -hmm. then another thing that stood out (laughs) to me was the plural here. Uh, We were gentle among you. Um, We were ready to share with you. So it's not just Paul singular, but Mm -hmm. with the others with him who are sort of co-writing this letter, and then even outside this passage, I saw that. He says, you're imitators of the churches in Judea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not just a you know, singular focus on a particular person, but the entire church, mm-hmm. um, yeah. local and then abroad as well.
1: Right, awesome, yeah. Yeah, that affectionately desirous is like, man, that's so intimate. It's almost like, wow, it makes you uncomfortable. You know, just how emotional he is. Yeah. Just thinking back to your contrast between the uh, spiritual father and the guide, verses 10 and 11 kind of point to that with the um the focus in verse 10 on
4: modeling behavior Mm -hmm. not just using words and then coupled with verse 11 the exhortation the encouragement and the charge also emphasizing the use of words Mm -hmm. coupled with actions and modeling
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. good any other thoughts i'm sure there's a lot more Good. Yeah, just, uh, I mean, a couple of things I saw that I think um, folks already hit on, but that kind of jump out to me in this passage. Um, one, um, and this actually comes from an article um, Kevin Miller wrote um, years ago, I, I forget what it was for, but about being a spiritual father. Leadership, Leadership journal. journal. Uh, yeah. Um, but he talked about moving from efficient, efficiency to intimacy. Um, and I think the, the, when you read this, it's, it, it doesn't strike you as being super efficient. <laughs> you know, that, that again, that spending time, um, that laboring, um, the day and night, um, that was a big thing that came out when we talked about uh, this passage uh, up north in Minnesota. Um, and again, had a number of you know, parents there and some parents of young children, like, it's just so inefficient sometimes, you know, parenting is, it's a classic thing, like a, you know, a new mom or a new dad being home all day with their kids, and they say, you know, what do they say at the end of the day? I didn't get anything done today. Like, that's the classic, like, I just felt like I didn't get anything done. Um, and oftentimes with parenting, you you don't feel like you're getting anything done, but actually what you're doing is you're being with your child. Um, and yeah, you just read this, you think he, he just spent a lot of time with them. And again, the leaders, you know, it's a, a we, they spent a lot of time. They just worked together um, a lot. Um, and there's um, at times a lack of efficiency in that, um, but it's, uh, it bears fruit. I remember an internship I did at a church in Indiana when I was first um, done with seminary. And I couldn't believe it. I remember the pastor, we went out to lunch, and this was a fairly big church. He was super busy. And after lunch, he's like, would well, you want to go for a walk? And I was kind of like, you shouldn't be going for a walk with me. Like, I'm a seminary intern. Like, I do very little at this uh, church. Like, you're important. Like, why would you take a walk with me? It really struck with me. We had a great time and a great talk. And, you know, then I thought, well, he must. He's going to, like, talk to me about, you know, the Bible or something. But um, we just talked about life. Um, and he, he became a huge spiritual parent to me because he was willing to make time uh, for me. So um, the kind of a lack of efficiency, not that sometimes in ministry we need to be efficient. Um, that can be good. But sometimes, right, it's okay not to be. Um, uh, you, again, um, uh, often spiritual parenting um, moves from, um, uh, you know, you don't always have to be liked. I mean, clearly he loves them, and so when, you're, when you pour out love into someone, they're gonna often respond with love, um, but one thing that strikes me about parents is, you know, you, you want your kids to like you, um, but that's not the ultimate thing, and you're not working towards making them like you. Um, you know, if a parent too much wants to impress their children, I think we'd all agree, like, that's a problem. Like, parents have to embrace the fact, like, I'm not impressive to my kids. Like, I'm just not, you know? And I think, you know, I have think thinking spiritual parenting. It's, there's both this incredible weight, you know, to say, and again, that was something I resisted for a while, like, to say, like, I'm a spiritual father, I'm a spiritual mother. Like, that's a weight and responsibility that I think it's tempting to say, I don't want that. I mean, that's actually asking too much of me. That's too much pressure. Um, and so we need to be able to embrace like, wow, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with parenting. there's there's huge responsibility, and there's, you know, um, it's it's hard work. but at the same time, there's a humility um, alongside that weight of, People just generally aren't real impressed um, with their parents. Often, um, uh, hopefully, they love their parents and respect them, but they're not—you know—they're not cool. Um, uh, I remember uh, Michael Flowers. You know, Michael Flowers uh, from Kansas City. He's a, a rector out there in our diocese, and we were talking one time, and he was talking about his kids, like talking about dad rock. Um, and he's like, you know, my kids like sometimes they are like, ah, I was listening to dad rock today, and so I was like, oh, like dad rock is that like James Taylor, like Bob Seeger? and he was like no, dad rock is like, you know, Wilco. Um, it's like the Decemberists, like all these bands I like. And I'm like, wait a second, like I like those bands. I mean, those bands are cool, they're hip, you know, how could they be dad rock? And he was like, you're a dad. I mean, he's like, you're a dad of teenagers, you're an old dad, you know? And I just didn't realize like that suddenly bands I liked were not cool because they were dad rock. Um, and again, dad rock's okay. But it's kind of like, oh, I need to embrace my dadness, right? I mean, you know, dad jokes. I mean, we know all the, all the things, mom genes, you know, whatever, you know. It's like we just have to embrace, like, that's part of being a parent, and there's a humility to that. It's actually really freeing, I, I find, to say, yeah, there's a weight to this, but there's a humility. Um, and someone, I think, said along the lines, like, uh, I think he said it, Brad, you know, we want our kids to thrive. I'll, I'll say more about this. We want them to succeed, you know, I mean, to be faithful and to be blessed, you know, um, And, um, you know, a parent, you know, when a parent's, like, envious of their kids, like, you know, I think we all know, like, that can happen sometimes, but it's really, it's a problem, right? I mean, envy's a problem in general, but I think you especially see sort of the ugliness of envy when it's, like, you feel like a parent actually is resentful that their kids are surpassing them. Where actually, you know, what should be a parent's heart is, man, I want my kids to surpass me, right? I want them to exceed me I, I said this to our group because again they're part of different church plans from Church of the cross um, I don't like it that I envy other churches as a pastor it's not a good quality you know and it's you know when I'm talking to another pastor I can feel myself kind of trying to figure out are we doing better than them I realize ooh, that's really ugly and I, I don't want to fall into that um, but I have to say with our church plants with our daughter churches, I just don't feel it at all. Um, I really don't. It's because they're us, right? I mean, they're part of the family. And, you know, we have a church restoration, which they're being given a building. Um, they're buying a building for a dollar. I was there when it was announced and all these people were saying to me afterwards, so like, was Church of the Cross given a building? I was like, no, we're still paying for our building. It's like, we're in debt for our building, right? And, you know, but I love that they're being given a building. I don't feel any sense of envy because they're my child. So I think that's, uh, um, that's part of being a parent. And then the final thing that I, th- you know, again, this was brought out that I think you see in this passage is um, there's an emotional cost uh, to being a parent. I mean, you feel it. Um, and again, I think Stuart talks about this so well of, um, obviously we wanna keep boundaries in, in ministry and, you know, you know, you wanna be aware of burnout. I mean, all those things, of course, we have to be very careful about, but there's also a level which you just have to be okay with, your heart is going to break. Um, uh, be, if you're gonna embrace the calling of a spiritual parent, at times, it's going to be emotionally painful um, and because uh, when your kids are hurting, you're hurting, right? I mean, that's the body of Christ, right? When a member of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. But um, there's a way in which, I don't know, sometimes, I, again, I find a hard time um, articulating it. I think Stuart does it so much better of um, you've got to be okay um, with feeling that emotional toll. And if you're not feeling the emotional toll, maybe you're just a guide and not a parent. Um, and again, we need guides, and that's good, but there's a certain level in which it's, it's gonna, you're going to feel it. Um, and we see that so powerfully in, in Paul's letters. We see it in Peter and John. Um, they feel it. Right? I mean, they feel the loss. They feel the hurt, and they feel the joy, um, the extreme joy. And you see that powerfully in this passage as well. There's great joy. You see that with Paul's love uh, for Timothy. Again, we can say um, a lot more, but I'll keep uh, moving, and some of this is... Um, Uh, I'm kind of getting ahead of some things. But what do spiritual mothers and fathers provide? And again, a lot of those things we've already hit on in talking about. Difference between a parent and a guide. Um, uh, But a few more things uh, uh, to just consider as far as what do spiritual parents provide. Um, One, um, uh, uh, they provide initiating love. Uh, And this is something where I feel like I've had to learn and grow in I feel like I'm pretty responsive as a pastor. If someone comes to me with a need, I I respond quickly, and and they say, you know, would you come visit me? I'll come visit. Yes, absolutely, I'm in the hospital. Um, uh, But I've had to grow in, as a spiritual parent, initiating um, at times. Uh, We had experience early on in the church, Uh, There had just been a hurricane in Haiti. Um, It was definitely in the news. So many people had died. Haiti was in a terrible place. We had a member of our church who was Haitian, um, lived in the States for a long time, but still had family there. I think it was two or three days after the hurricane, she called me and she just said, Pastor Christian, like, why haven't you called me? Like, I just, I can't believe that you haven't reached out to me. It was, I mean, I felt terrible. And I'd been praying for her, I'd been thinking about her. But she was like, you're my pastor. He didn't call me. and My country is falling apart. It was such a learning moment for me. Like, she needed me to initiate, right? You know, she needed me to reach out to her and to say, I am praying uh, for you. And I've tried to, to grow in that, but I think that's part of um, uh, what a, a spiritual parent does. You know, I think about, like, uh, you know, mom or dad talking to their kids about sex. Like, usually the kid's not going to initiate. I mean, sometimes they initiate in an awkward way. Our kids never initiated, right? I mean, so we had to be like, okay, sit down, we're going to have this talk, right? We just said, oh, I'll just wait till they come to me with questions, right? That's a, a problem. So I think thinking through how do I initiate, um, and and sometimes that's initiating, you know, and saying, you know, and, and figuring out how do I parent them um, uh, in an initiating way. Um, uh, Molly talked about, you know, thinking of ourselves as first responders, you know, like. If I'm a spiritual parent, then I need to be one of the first people to respond when I know there's an emergency for them. So um, spiritual parents provide clarity. They provide clarity, what do we believe as a family? Um, What are the kind of rules of our household? What are the expectations of our household? If we're at a family gathering, my kids have learned, you do not pull out your phone and look at your phone. I don't care how boring it is. I don't care if your aunts and uncles have nothing interesting to say to you. You're just not allowed to pull out your phone and start reading your phone when we're at a family gathering. That's clarity that I've had to to bring to them. And that's often what we do as spiritual parents, um, right? I mean, you know, teaching them, obviously, doctrine, um, but also clarity on how do we act in this culture? How do we act as a family? Um, There's correction. Uh, that passage uh, we read from uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul talks about the whip um, there, which is a, a striking image, right? But parents are willing to, to bring correction when that's needed. And again, that's something I find um, super difficult, and it's been part of me embracing sort of this role um, as a parent, is parents don't let things slide. Um, not because they want to be, you know, they love discipline. Obviously, you know, parents really usually don't like um, uh, uh, discipline, but we do it because we love our kids and we want our kids to grow. And okay, this is where correction. I'm going to jump in oh, good, with the story. Please. Uh,
4: because we have a, a young woman who's a leader in our church um, and was leading a team where an older uh, uh, parishioner really said something um, hurtful kind of within the group, and really she then needed to correct and to do so as a spiritual mom, as a leader uh, to this older individual. And so I do feel like in that correction, we, we entered ministry very young and uh, didn't understand that aspect of our role, um, or maybe even sort of understood it and didn't want to do it. Uh, because of our age. And so just making a note, like, as a spiritual parent, you will be parenting people, uh, you know, older than you in age. And so some of what you're asked to do might feel awkward because of the age difference, but you are still there as a spiritual mom or father.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, no, no, that's good. Yeah, and then the, the final thing, and again, these are we could add a lot to this list, but the final one I wanna uh, highlight um, is just prayer coverage, right? An obvious one, but a good one to point out is that parents pray for their kids, um, and, uh, um, and that's part of being um, a parent. Again, in 2 Timothy uh, verse three, um, Paul says, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors, right? So he acknowledges, again, his spiritual parents and his physical parents with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. So um, part of being a spiritual parent is, is embracing that regular prayer um, for those um, who you are um, parenting. Um, and then how is this lived out or acted out? So what are some of the ways we act this out? Again, 2 Timothy 1-7, uh, that same passage for God, um, or, uh, from six. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Um, that um, uh, the, uh, um, sort of, how is this acted out? One, I mean, you see the sacramental nature of it being acted out, actually, the, the laying on of hands, which we have in, in confirmation and in ordination. Um, but I kind of think of that even broader. Um, this can be acted out like in formal ways, you know, like doing a residency, right? And, you know, I mean, that, that we can think through, how do we sort of formalize those, um, you know, parent, you know, son-daughter relationships. And I think it's helpful at times to really kind of say, like, this is what this relationship is going to look like, right? You know, maybe you don't have to say, I'm going to be your spiritual father. But to say, I really want to encourage you in growth and ministry, and here's what those boundaries will look like. Here's the time I want to spend with you. So I think there can be a formal nature to this that we see, you know, in some of our rituals of laying on of hands and, and formalizing those things um, that I can name them more. And again, I think part of the residency program has been, at least for us in Minnesota, I think that's true here as well, is we want to formalize more that we see a call to, to ministry in the church, we see gifting in you, and we're really inviting you into a relationship that has a parenting um, element um, to it. But I think also this can be acted out in very informal ways, and we can say incarnationally, right? So there's a sacramental element uh, acting out um, spiritual parenting, but there's clearly an incarnational element uh, acting it out. So um, Stuart talks about um, that um, Archbishop um, Kwashi. I will say that his spiritual children know where his billfold is in his uh, um, bedroom, Um, that they can find his billfold in his bedroom. And Mary story is like, that's almost a little too intimate for Americans. So he's like, they can find the milk in my fridge. Um, Is the way Stuart put it like, I'm a little more comfortable with that element of of intimacy. Um, uh, But anyway, but that, again, that ties into that, um, uh, just spending time, right? And if we're really spending time uh, with someone, they're gonna know our lives, they're gonna know Um, our homes, and there's that incarnational element to it. Um, And then it's acted out in giving your spiritual children a place to serve. It's actually entrusting them um, with responsibilities. And actually, that'll tie into more of what um, Molly's saying, but that's a huge part of um, spiritual parenting, is actually giving them a job and trusting them uh, to to do it and to do it well. And then, I already talked about this, um, but also then um, celebrating um, success, growth, um, celebrating um, you know, when they uh, do well. Again, this has uh, been a huge learning um, uh, place for me um, as a, for our staff team in particular. Our staff is awesome at Church of the Cross. I just, I, I really love them. I can't boast in them enough. Um, but uh, I've had to learn, like, they actually need me to regularly point out, like, that was great. Or like, this was really well done. Or, you know, this was well done. I think this needed to do a little better. Again, not to, to um, uh, not correct when correction is needed. But I just assume, like, they know I think they're so great. You know, I mean, like, they know, it, of course I think they're great. Like, why do I have to say anything? And I'm constantly being reminded by them, thankfully, because I've told them, tell me, um, that they need specifics, right? I mean, they need to specifically hear, like, this was really well done. And I remember you made this goal last year, and you have reached that goal, and I see it. And so that's where, again, the formality at times of actually kind of thinking through, how am I, as a parent, Pointing out the growth areas. How am I celebrating the REACH goals? Because again, you need that from parents. I mean, overall, and I, I kind of got this, but to, just to make it clear, like the voice of a parent is so powerful, right? And we get that, you know, if you're involved in healing prayer and pastoral counseling, you know that because you're constantly having to, you know, address issues where people haven't heard a blessing voice from their parents or have not, or hear a, a hard thing from their parents and they, They can't let go of the power of their voice. And so I think to embrace that as a spiritual parent and say, wow, my voice is really powerful. Again, I feel like at times, again, I think my staff team They're so gifted, they're so good at what they do, why does it make any difference for me to say, hey, that was a great worship set you put together this week? And I forget the power of my voice. I forget, actually my voice has power because I'm a a spiritual dad and that's my calling in their lives as the way our church is structured. And so to remember that and remember, again, especially around identity, right? Our voice around identity is so powerful. And to affirm them and their identity in Christ, first and foremost, and to remind them of that, but also to affirm them in the unique gifts um, that they have and to to name those and to say, I see you growing in this gift, Um, I bless it. I see you taking a risk in your ministry and I'm celebrating that, it's powerful. And so I think often we don't realize how powerful our voice is, especially again, when we're working with these leaders that we think they're so gifted, right? They don't need, my voice makes no difference it really does. And so that would be my encouragement to you in that. Um, with our few minutes, and I want to be careful about the time, but I actually want to do kind of a little exercise. And so at the bottom, practice exercises. I'd like to break up into groups. And so maybe like, I don't know, groups of four? Do we know how many people are here? Is it like 20? Anyway, let's do like groups of four or five. Um, Should I have people get into groups first and then give the assignment? Let's do that. So get into groups and then I'm going to give you an assignment of something to talk about for about five minutes and then we'll come back and share. Looks like we have five groups, is that right? All right, perfect, good, because I have five topics. Um, so what we're gonna do is I'm gonna give you like a, a ministry area, a ministry to- uh, task, but I want you to talk about how, do we, how can we approach this task with sort of the lens of I'm a spiritual parent. Um, and so maybe even think through how maybe sometimes do we approach this task and how maybe can that be adjusted when I embrace the thing that I'm doing this as a parent. Um, uh, we're doing this because uh, years ago when we talked about spiritual parenting, I think maybe we'd listened to Stuart's talk with a group of us, and there was someone in the thing who, he had to have a hard conversation, I think it was someone working the soundboard, and he had to have a conversation with the soundboard person at his church the next day, and he said, when I approached that conversation thinking I'm a spiritual dad um, to this person, he said, totally changed the way he approached the conversation, you know, and he was so thankful, because he realized I was coming in very much like sort of the boss, and again, he was the boss, and he needed to live that out. But when he's like, I'm both the boss here, but I'm also the dad here, it completely changed it. So that's kind of why you know we're going to think about this. So um, uh, how about this group? Think through recruiting volunteers. So and how do you kind of approach broadly? Do some of you do that? Man, I've never heard of churches having to recruit volunteers. So um, it's, all, it's all we do. Right? Okay, so how kind of approaching that mindset with a spirit, uh, parenting mindset. Um, you guys handling, handing, hand, handling conflict among team members. So, you know, you're working with the team, there's conflict within the team, how do you address as a spiritual parent? Um, You all, how about in strengthening teams? So you're working with a team, it just needs to be strengthened in some way, how do you do that? Um, You guys down here, um, overseeing a small group ministry, uh, um, an easy thing to do in a church, how do you do that? And then you all in the back, um, evangelism and strengthening evangelism, how do you approach that with a parenting mind view? Does that make sense? All right, let's take uh, five minutes, and we'll have five minutes to share, and then I will end exactly on time. Uh-oh. All right, why don't we, uh, I'd love to hear from um, each group if there's just maybe one thing that kind of jumped out or um, something that you thought, oh, this would affect how I would approach this as a spiritual parent. So who wants to share? Okay, everyone's pointing. (laughs) Okay. Oh, there you go. Okay, great.
0: Can I just say that I started this session by making a doodle of a terrified person speaking into the microphone? So this is a growing uh, experience for me. Um, Yeah, so we were talking about recruiting um, volunteers. Um, specifically, kind of thinking about it as calling them into community, um, but also recognizing their individual gifts and innate qualities and um, abilities, mm-hmm. um, and making sure that we're really calling those out as, as gifts and as areas to grow and as areas that we're willing to help them grow, um, rather than it just being an ask for, like, a body to fill a space yes. and do a task. Um, so, calling them into community and recognizing their um, what what God has given them and then helping them grow in that. Um, in
1: that area, awesome, great, good. How about we just keep passing it around? Anyone from that group? Well, we had the conflict in
5: uh, between staff, and that could obviously be volunteer or paid. But uh, one of the things that was mentioned was um, casting vision for what's going on, like a scenario of like someone being frustrated that they didn't get a position, and explaining like. Instead of just being like, well, this is my decision and that's that, mm. it's like, well, we see what this person is, where the flaws are, and you might be right about that, and you are right about that, but also casting vision for like, but they can grow, and one of the things you can grow in, and also casting vision for that other person as well. And then the other thing, other couple things that were mentioned is uh, coaching through the conflict, or uh, it's very easy as a leader to just be like okay fine i can fix this and you guys can stop arguing so i can get to my stuff instead of like guiding and coaching through like how to settle the conflict between your each other directly as well and then the other the last thing was just listening well mm-hmm. in that cuz it's very easy if you're in boss mode to be like this is not what i want to spend my time dealing with and instead taking the time to actually listen and find out oh this is being motivated from something else, not just, like, finding the deeper need, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, was something else that was mentioned. So those were, obviously, it varies on the scenario of the conflict, but those were some of the things we came up with.
1: Awesome. Great.
0: We were talking about strengthening teams, specifically tech team, because you mentioned the soundboard guy, (laughs) and that's something that's on my mind. (laughs) and specifically the importance of creating that familial bond where I, as kind of the parent of tech team right now, might have an individual relationship with each child, but unless they know that they are part of a team that's bigger than them, they're not gonna be able to fully press into of that body idea. Like, we are the body of Christ. We are part of this bigger team. And so strengthening them in that way to just know one another. And then also communicating vision. And if I'm able to say, this is how I enter into worship. Here are some ways that you can enter into worship as you're serving. Um, just have to, having to be so intentional about mm-hmm. communicating the vision and making sure that they're on board with that. Kind of laying down those rules of the family, like you were talking about.
1: Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's great. <laughs> oh. Come on, Allison.
0: Um. Okay. So we were kind of talking about we had leading small group ministry. Um. So kind of this idea of you're over multiple groups that you aren't directly involved in. So you're not seeing the actual um, problems or growth areas necessarily. You have this kind of third party view of getting the play-by-play afterwards. Um, But kind of this idea of keeping open channels of communication um, between that third-party channel and the ones who are actually involved. So being able to loop back in and hear these are the areas where there's tension, these are the areas where there's growth. Mm -hmm. And giving general information and general equipping for here's how to solve these kinds of issues, um, even though you can't solve the direct problem. So Mm -hmm. more of that equipping type
1: movement. Yeah, good. Thank you.
0: Um, We talked about um, approaching uh, strengthening evangelism as Mm -hmm. spiritual parents. So we talked about the importance of not focusing on numbers, but being relationable and caring about the person, not just they must get to know Jesus, caring about them. We wanted to model the behavior as well Mm -hmm. as lead Mm -hmm. those who are evangelizing with us. And then we liked the idea of evangelism not going out but inviting in Mm -hmm. and approaching it as a parent to where it just opens conversation in that way. And we just wanted to think creatively in ways we could connect with people and not just the um, formal ways to connect, but the informal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Good. Thanks, well, good, and I hope that, you know, and again, I'm sure many of you are already doing that, but I hope that can continue to be, as you're approaching different stuff, again, I find I just regularly have to say, okay, how am I approaching this as a parent, as a shepherd, as a, um, and not just as a task that has to get, um, to get done? So, um, uh, just as I close, I just, you know, maybe this is obvious, but I just wanna name it that, um, you know, of the many challenges we're facing uh, right now in our diocese, um, uh, Uh, You know, uh, the bishop is our spiritual father, and uh, that's a sacramental reality and and an incarnational uh, reality. And it's just super hard, Um, and um, I'm uh, aware of that. And again, we can say it's good this leave of absence is the right thing to do, and still acknowledge it's so hard. Um, And uh, it's hard for us in Minnesota. Uh, We're feeling it, and we see the bishop usually once or twice a year. I see him more at family events. Uh, um, So I just know you guys are feeling it. And I also am just aware You are the mother church, and there's a lot on you, and we are so thankful for resurrection. Gonna gonna cry. Um, uh, Being here uh, on Sunday, I was just reminded of how much I've received from this church, and um, what an important place it is. Um, And so, uh, just know we're praying for you guys, and again, I think there's just an extra weight you're carrying right now, and I know it's super hard. And I know the Lord will meet you in that. We have so many mothers and fathers in our diocese. I'm so thankful, and I'm actually, It's hard, but I'm not worried about our diocese because um, uh, there's just many, many spiritual moms and dads and they're raising up more kids, um, but it's hard, um, really hard uh, not having um, our spiritual father uh, with us, although of course he is with us in spirit and and is praying uh, for you all. So let me um, just uh, pray. Father, I am so thankful for the people of this church. I'm so thankful for this group that have been called um, to leadership roles here. I know some are residents, some are staff. Um, uh, but um, I'm thankful for them, Lord. And I pray that they would know in new ways um, your love, Father. That they would know in new ways um, words of affirmation and celebration. That they would know, Heavenly Father, your joy in just being with them. Lord, I pray that you would come against any voices of condemnation um, that they are um, tempted to listen to right now. You would come, Holy Spirit, and um, send any lies Any voices that would speak to them and say that they are a disappointment, that that would be removed. And they would hear um, clearly your words, Father. I pray that you give them strength and perseverance um, in a a challenging season, Lord, that um, in this you would, uh, again, bring um, new strength. Again, new knowledge, both of their um, sonship, of their daughtership, uh, a new embrace of their identity as those that belong um, to you and are fathered by you, but also that you would give them a new knowledge of their calling as moms and dads, that they would grow in that, and they would feel just a new godly confidence in that. So pray, Lord, that you pour out your spirit um, on this uh, group, on this church. Then, Lord, we lift up um, our spiritual father and mother, Stuart and Catherine, uh, to you, and we pray, Lord, that you give them perseverance, that they would know in new ways um, their identity as your children and that they would know, a, um, again, a perseverance in the midst of the pain. Um, be with them, Lord, we pray. And we lift these prayers to you in um, great um, thankfulness and, and in praise of you, Jesus. Amen.